You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone. Are you wondering the most profitable, scalable means of making that money with your drone? Well, our caller today asked a very, very succinct question. Lots of variables. I love it. And we're talking about kids who are coming out of high school. And there's this huge um, momentum of uh, kids wanting to do things not so much behind computer screens. The uh, blue collar work is often paying astronomically high dollar amounts. And uh, kids are kind of are thinking about how... Um, to uh, do more with tech that's blue collar related to essentially evolve it and uh, get it up to speed. So we've got a great show today. As always, my name is Paul. My name's Rob. Super excited about this because it is always fantastic to hear from, forgive me, Chris, but kids like this that uh, are young and ambitious and really smart. It's clear that he's really smart. So excited to dig into this. Me too. Me too. Let's hear that funky why, why question. Are you <laughs> That's why. So anyway, but uh, I'm very excited for today as well. Okay. So. <laughs> hey, drone you. I'm Chris. I'm 16, and I'm super thankful for all of the information that you guys share on your amazing podcast. I've been a listener for about three or four months now, and I find myself so so interested in drone technology and putting that to use in a business setting. So things like 3D models or drone mapping. I'd love to start off a business and I'm trying to now with those features because I live in Florida and obviously for construction and businesses that's a huge thing right now over here. And so I'm looking to know what you guys think would be the best ROI for my money in starting up a business like this. My budget is around seven to twelve thousand dollars. And so I'm I'm trying to get a picture of, you know, especially heading into twenty twenty three, what should I start off with that's going to be the best for my money and my time spent. So just trying to represent the also like very underage spectrum of people who are trying to get ahead and and trying to get in on this drone technology and catch the wave before this becomes the huge, huge industry that robs the idea or the ability of small businesses making it into the making it into this profession. So if you guys have any tips, any advice, things like legal contracting, like for a 16 year old, that can be pretty messy. And I'm willing to do all the work and all the time that's required to get in there. But I'm wanting to know if there's any extra tips or advice you think will stand out from my age and my experience level, just trying to get in, but also getting in ahead. Thank you guys so, so much. Hope you all have an awesome day. And uh, I'd love to hear back from you guys. Ah, man, Chris, this just makes my heart warm. (laughs) Seriously, a young kid, so well-spoken, clearly off the cuff. You're asking your question, just providing your thoughts. Um, I think we should hire him. Yes. (laughs) Welcome to the Drone You Flight Where do you live, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) No, um... It's really inspiring to see this. And it's great that, you know, the drone industry has progressed to a point that kids in high school are like, this is the first thing I want to do out of high school. I want to I want to be flying drones. I want to be outside. I want to be on the move. I want to, you know, have a fulfilling, enriched life. I think that's 
Awesome. So one of the questions I want to ask you before we go down the rabbit hole, Rob, is like as someone who is younger, do you believe that he has kind of a financial advantage in getting into the drone business at the age that he's at? Because maybe he doesn't have to save for 18 to 24 months of income because he's still living at home. He's living with his parents and can kind of ride that support. Do you think he has an advantage? A hundred percent. Yeah. We've talked a lot about it and whether it's in our business course or just in general, if you're venturing out into a DSP business, then you want to make sure that you're covered from a collateral standpoint. That's actually, I think the number one reason why businesses fail. And especially if you're somebody, we run into a lot of people that are getting into drones that are, are retired and they're actually set up pretty well. I think of um, one of the gentlemen that's a member that's actually based up in the Northwest part of the world. He's on our, uh, I think he's been on both of our coaching calls. Great guy doing some really cool stuff up there. Retired. He's sitting pretty, right? Yeah, he's that's in... probably not the majority. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you take somebody like Chris. Yeah, absolutely. You're at home. But the thing that excites me even more so in terms of his propensity for success relative to the financial aspect of all this is that he said he's got a budget of seven to 10 of 12 grand. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that money's coming from, but if I had to guess, because it is purely a guess, he's probably saved some money. Yeah, probably. And, and yeah. so he, he just has the acumen clearly in addition to being in a good position from a financial standpoint in terms of the risks that he's facing relative to somebody else. So that was a very long winded. Yes. Yeah, but a lot of really good points. A lot of really good points. This kid has got what it takes and it should be an example for other people that he's willing to learn. He's got the hustle. He's got that passion and he's wanting to know more and he's wanting to just keep an open mind. And, you know, no matter what stage of business that you're in, I feel like that's absolutely crucial and necessary for to sure. maintain that mindset. I mean, geez, even me. I want to have a daily list of remember these things, you know, be patient, be kind, be open. Don't be short with people. Uh, you know, you can always be on time. It doesn't take money to be nice to someone. So, you know, just like simple things. But that said, in regards to his question, the seven to $12,000 budget in regards to where can he get the most uh, return on his money? I love this kind of like formulaic problem solving. So let's just say, you know, Rob, one of my questions would be, what do you think, how much, how much of that budget should be reserved for his upstart costs, like his website, his travel, going to jobs, doing networking, getting some branded t-shirts some business cards to make that brand start fresh and build even his social media? That's the question I have for you, because when I think of an, uh, let's say a seven to $12,000 budget, I think Mavic 3 Enterprise. Uh, That's exactly what I thought. Yeah? Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and then I think of Lorenz Nelson, who was here just last week, redoing and updating our cell tower inspection course. And I think of the dollar amounts that he was talking about. And I posted about it on our Instagram reels last week, which has been doing really well, of just how much money that you can make if you're involved with the right company. These cell tower inspection jobs, you're able to do four to eight towers per day, dependent on the density of towers within a given radius of your location, okay? Now, typically, these towers are constantly being mapped and updated because our cell service is being constantly updated as well from the implementation of five 
5G to 3G being essentially uh, taken off of uh, many towers now. It's either pretty much edge network, 4G or 5G, which is funny that edge survived. Um, It's just that super old basic data plan on the old Blackberries, if you remember that little E in the top right corner of your old phone. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Um, but, you know, you think about that and you think about how much money you can get paid. And and we wrote an article on where the drone jobs are for cell tower inspections. And we were talking about companies like Fly Guys. We actually have a meeting with Jessica this afternoon um, in helping complete their pipeline for getting quality pilots. You know, you think about companies like Cyberhawk uh, based here out of Denver and the United Kingdom. You think of companies like 5x5 Technologies. You know, these are companies that are, are bringing on a lot of drones pilots and they're doing all the logistics for you they're figuring out how many towers you need to hit a day where you're going to be hit and all you have to do is fly you don't have to process that data but you do have to be good at flying in harsh environments you have to be good at flying in up to winds of 25 miles an hour on a regular basis you have to be good at flying in close proximity like like cell towers but those jobs can pay anywhere from 1200 to 4000 dollars a day and if you think about the cogs the cost of goods sold you're not having to pay for processing you're not having to pay for data storage you're not having to pay for all these things that as a traditional dsp you would have to pay for yeah. when you're taking on these contractual jobs for these companies you are able to do them at scale and they're not subjective. Um, What I mean by subjective is they're not creative. You're not competing on garnishing attention in a unique and inspiring way. You are out there to complete a flight plan, get the data and move on to the next one. And to be able to get paid $250 to $800 per tower. 800 per tower? Yeah. For guide wire towers they're 800 per tower. Wow. Um, and, and that's what he pays the pilots. That's not even what he was getting paid. So the numbers are even higher. Um, but that said, Lorenz is in a managerial position for his company. So they take an override. Think of it like that. Um, you think about how many towers you can hit in a day in your particular environment. And this is the fastest way to build up significant revenue for a company like, uh, his name is, is it Chris? Is that right? Chris. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. For someone like Chris. I mean, if Chris was my nephew, because I I have a nephew, Sean, right now, who's at George Mason University, and he and I were talking about some drone stuff. And, you know, I was like, well, should you go out and be creative? Well, those jobs, they're really hard to get. And you have to be a good networker, constantly creating content to get the attention necessary to build up those clients versus creative or technical jobs, especially infrastructure jobs that are literally being subsidized by the government right now. Um, And I think of solar panel jobs, I think of utility jobs, and I think of construction jobs. Construction jobs are going to be limited in volume based off of how many companies you're working with and the quality of those companies they're in. With cell tower inspections, if you work with one company, company like you know, for example, American Tower or five by five, you know, you you can take on thousands of towers, but they need good, high quality pilots, confident pilots who have systems of operation like we teach in our systems course, or excuse me, our operations course, systems of flying in close proximity, like what we teach in our drills and exercises slash flight mastery in person. You have to be able to conduct those missions consistently and reliably. And if he can make 1200 to 4000 a day let's just be super conservative and say $1000 a day and let's say uh you know let's say $1000 a day at 8 hours I should have this math memorized by now but 
divided by eight. Okay, that's $125 an hour. Mm -hmm. That's really good. If we multiply this, let's say that he has a perfect year, 2080, that's $260,000 a year. That's a quarter of a million dollars a year for him to go around and fly a remote control toy around cell towers. Don't call it that. Well, I like calling it that because <laughs> it's not a toy, it's a tool. And we've all seen that evolution, that progression. But at the end of the day, we all started from a spot of loving to fly. How many of you who are my age loved Christmas mornings when you would get that really cool remote control car? You know, in D.C., we had remote control boats because we got the Potomac right there. And now it's remote control helicopters, remote control airplanes, remote control quadcopters. Right. They are a very serious tool. Back in the day, CB radios were a toy. They weren't really a tool. And now we have phones that are a communications tool, although you can play, you know, uh, Game of Thrones little games on your on your phone, too. It could be a toy, you know? True. I guess it all depends on the audience because a, a phone is a toy for toddlers, but a phone is also a tool to land multi-billion dollar deals for someone like Mark Cuban. So yeah. I guess it all depends on the audience, whether it's a toy or a tool. Agreed. Agreed. So that said, you know, considering uh, solar jobs, that's going to be lower end payments. Also, it's going to be a lot more flying. Cell tower jobs are going to be high volume, good dollar amounts. You're not going to be able to fly them in an hour or two for the first couple of times. Loren says the first 50 times you won't get it done in an hour. Um, and you're in some remote areas. Yeah. I mean, it is going to be lonely, but some, yeah. some people like that, mm -hmm. Paul. Um, I've totally flip-flopped since the pandemic. I used to be like the extroverted extrovert, and now I'm like the extroverted introvert. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think cell towers are a great way to monetize uh, his aircraft very quickly and create a very profitable business very quickly. So I... I uh, agreed. I mean, I think that's become pretty clear, especially with the work we've been doing with Lorenz. But the bigger question for him, I believe, is can he be hired as a 16-year-old by somebody like Lorenz? I think technically, probably yes. But yeah, he can get his part 107, so he's good there. So he can be insured, so he's good there. Um, if I were Lorenz and I had a kid who is this driven but also calm and not giddy, like we see a lot of overly confident, overly giddy kids trying to get into drones, that's not what breeds success over the long term. The way that this kid is going about this is um, it's palpable, the systems that he has in place uh, with his ideology to be successful over the long term. Mm -hmm. And so if I were Lorenz, I'd hire that kid Obviously, I'd want to watch him fly. Uh, I'd want to see what he was capable of. But with that said, I honestly believe that it could be an absolute... When I'd, I'd, hire, I'd hire him in a second. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually... Uh, see, that's kind of what I was wondering. I, and I think that... Um, that's why I'm asking. Oh, I don't safety know that precautions. Mm, he might have to be 18 for liability and safety Correct, precautions. Correct, exactly. So that's oh. why I really want to get, I mean, I don't, I don't want to just get these big hopes up. And then he goes to try to do it and like, nope, come back in two years, kid. You know, so practically speaking, he might need to start with... Uh, like construction? Maybe some construction. I think this is a great example, Chris, of who do you know? Who do your parents know? Who do your teachers know? Rely on your teachers. I would imagine that teachers would fall over themselves to help a kid like you. 
my wife's a teacher. I know she would. Because when you have somebody like you who is so committed to learning and growing and and making something of yourself at an early age and, and doing so at a level that the, I'd say 95% of 16-year-olds aren't doing, I bet there are some professors at community colleges that are training on drones that might have some opportunities for you. I think that the next best thing that you can do relative to all the work that you've already done is to learn networking because I think that's probably going to serve you as well or better than any of this other stuff that you're kind of working on and learning, which keep doing that, but get out there and talk to people. And uh, that would be one piece of advice that I would give. Um, In terms of contracts, I want to address that because he mentioned it specifically and how it can be messy for a 16 year old. I don't know if there's a way around that other than working under somebody else Mm. who has the contract and can, can employ you that way. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. You know, um, that whole sub-18 18, 18 issue and liability, I'm really curious on. I'm well, really I, curious on I'm that. curious as well. I just wanted to make sure that it's addressed and that, um, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that Lorenz, who does this every day, isn't sure. Yeah, well, right? you know, another thing is, is that, you know, Lorenz has a very specific methodology of laying scale constraints and whatnot um, at the bottom and bases of towers, which he says is necessary for the jobs that he completes. Because I was going to say, well, if he stands outside of the given area, anyone can fly by the the cell tower. That's not going to stop him. Um, but I wonder with insurance... I wonder with the cell tower safety protocols, because there are very real standards and protocols around that. I wonder if that would be a real issue or not. Um, other And then otherwise, if it is a very significant issue, can he like intern and help with companies, you know, that are, are, are doing these things? So... Yeah, that maybe, uh, maybe they just wouldn't let him fly. But the question too, for depending on the vertical, you know, say a cell location, cell tower location, they might just not want 16 year olds on there at all because of safety, mm-hmm. like anywhere on whatever the square is, but maybe he could be in the truck behind the square. I do appreciate right? your air quotes on safety. <laughs> safety third. <laughs> hey, if you haven't heard that show by uh, by Mike Rowe on safety third, ah, it's so good. you really need to listen so to good. it. I feel like we've been berating PJ where he's like, safety first. And we're like, safety third, safety third. <laughs> so. And PJ is not wrong. No. Right. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. What else would you? What? El- how else would you uh, advise on um, contracts? No, no, no. Just in general for Chris here, how to pursue this? Um, yeah, I mean, get out and talk to people. Uh, fly, practice. So uh, that would be my first thing. Is is I would have some sort of plan um, for flying, trying to fly in different environments, high altitude, low altitude, high humidity, low humidity, wind, high winds, low winds flying in close proximity to things, figuring out creative shots because having Fly those, through stuff, flying through things, obstacles, etc. having those skills will directly impact your ability to do these jobs later down the road. And if we go back to Kay Anders Erickson's perfect practice model, which was 
incorrectly represented in the book Outliers. What actually works is the example of those who go out and play basketball every day. They don't have a plan other than they're going to go out every day and do something, right? Having that constant change up of new environments and and practicing your skills and systems and learning the patterns of what works and what doesn't, that's what's going to drive you to success. And when it comes to these jobs, if you can come out on the day of your 18th birthday, and fly in close proximity without being overly confident or overly nervous, you are going to make waves as a kid. And I would hire you in a heartbeat. So yeah. And make no mistake about it. If you're 16 and you have your part 107, you can go make money, right? It's just in some of the things that we've talked about, it might be more difficult than we had originally made it sound. But the other thing that I would suggest, and you alluded to this in the, in uh, relation to the cell tower conversation if you can find a mentor in your area, mm. somebody that you can just go out with and help. Um, I mean, my early days of, of being married, my father-in-law, we would do big projects on our houses. And I was basically his uh, hammer hander, <laughs> right? But I learned a lot. And so look at it that way. If you can get out there and, and kind of be out and about with people that are doing the work that you're interested in, that'd be huge because a mentor is going to be, it might even be the next best thing to the whole learning how to network part, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously keep flying, but get a good mentor and then, uh, and then learn how to talk to people and, and network well. Yeah. 100%. Focus on those things. A hundred percent. You know, it makes me think, uh, Rob, when they go out and learn from these mentors, be a sponge. Look at the systems of how they get a job done, how they help a client and how they service that client and keep the client engaged. If I were you, I would be keeping like a daily journal of what you've learned in those systems because in learning other businesses' systems and when you're ready to finally go out on your own, you are going to have the education that everyone dreams of. They go to business school to become an entrepreneur and they have no idea that it's only the school of hard knocks that actually drives hard lessons to be learned, understood, and moved on from so that mistakes are not made in the past. I mean, Rob, Lisa and I were talking about this this weekend of – how many times we try to help her brother with the hard lessons that we have learned. And we try to so eloquently explain these hard lessons that have been learned in tears and pain and heartbreak and everything. And it just doesn't communicate. It just doesn't see deep enough to cause a change. And since you're the parent of the two of us here, how would you, how would you explain to kids? And I think drone pilots, I would say I'm, I'm uh, relevant in this conversation as well of like, Someone can can tell you something all day long, but it's until you actually go out and do the thing and have the experience and learn the hard lesson that it actually sinks in. You actually think about it. And the next time it comes up, you think about the pain of the decision that you made last time and how it was wrong. And then you actually switch course. Would you say, Rob, that as a parent, the best way to teach your kids those hard fought lessons is by having them go out and learn said hard lessons and that some lessons just can't be communicated? To their fullest extent. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, they can't be. And that's why we always, we've talked about this on the show about like at dinner saying, okay, kids, I, I'm sure you had great, a great day, great successes. Hope you did. But tell me about a failure today. Yeah. Right. Because we want to talk about those things. We want to make sure that they're taking chances. Uh, maybe it's, 
connecting with a kid that they've wanted to be friends with and they've been afraid and so they go for it and the kid's like, yeah, no, I got friends. I'm totally making up a hypothetical thing here. But, and they'd say, yeah, so I kind of failed, tried to make a friend and they diss me and yeah. So, okay, what'd you learn? Blah, blah, blah. So that's a really stupid example. But yeah, absolutely. Although I will say, I mean, that's a tenant of DroneU and that is that we want to teach from experience. Why is that? So that we can shorten your learning curve, right? So the other thing is just be cognizant, be aware, be uh, be self-aware, be willing to learn, be humble so that you can learn from other people's experiences and failures. I mean, it's going to be a combo of the two, but I would say in agreement that you're probably not going to learn at the depth you you might need to, depending on the lesson, unless you go through it yourself. But we just hope that 100%. most of those lessons are relatively small. Like with the kids, it's like, yeah, we want them to learn, but uh, we hope it's uh, a lesson that is not life-altering, but rather stings, but they can still learn as if it was life-altering. Anyways, mm. we're getting a little bit uh, too deep here. No, it's good. It's good. Well, I think what but, this goes to show or illustrate is that you've got to go out there. You've got to be flying. Put yourself in different environments, try to work with people, and embrace failure. Uh, one of the greatest things I ever learned in sales is is understanding why no was a good thing. Mm-hmm. I used to be so afraid of rejection, so afraid of no. And I finally talked myself into a hard, solid no gets me faster to the next yes. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So, And ob- objections are just objectives to hit because if they're asking you questions, it means that they're actually interested in solving a specific problem and they want to know more. So, yeah. And, and just also keep in mind when you're out there, if, if you're with a mentor or just somebody's let you kind of shadow them, you're going to learn a lot. But also, and I don't know that I would be expressing these things, but take notes on what you would do different and why, because mm. they're not doing everything perfectly. Right. And or they just have a different style. So just kind of broaden your perspective on on kind of how you're taking it all in yeah. and think, huh, that's really cool. But I think it could be better if I did it this way. But again, I'd be careful to not, hey, you should do this or right. That's not what I'm saying. Um, unless they ask you for input. Yeah, I probably would take notes. A hundred percent take notes because you're not going to remember all those hard fought lessons. So on that note, I really hope that this show helped you out. Um, If you are a DroneU member, by the way, we do also have coaching calls. Uh, We essentially have drone coaching if you're a member. In fact, we have that coaching call this afternoon. So hopefully these coaching calls would also provide an opportunity to learn from others as well, Chris. So thank you for your question. If you have a question, go to askdroneu.com where we would absolutely love to help you out. That's actually how we get our happiness is helping others derive from experience. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.